Hi everybody, this is Sean from Follow the Camino and on this episode of Camino Talks, I'm talking with Mary Virtue, who is the coordinator of the Victoria chapter of the Canadian Company of Pilgrims. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, it's good to see you. Indeed, thank you. So first question really is, who is Mary Virtue and how did you get involved with the Canadian Company of Pilgrims and the Camino? Um, okay, well, I'm a retired librarian. Um, however, when I wasn't so retired and working, um, uh, I visited uh, a friend in uh, Kelowna. We would go there every summer. This is about three or four hours from where we live. And uh, her son walked through the room looking quite thin. And I said, oh, gee, she's lost weight. And he said, yes, I've just walked 800 kilometers across northern Spain. And I thought, oh, because this was 1998. Not a lot of people had heard about it. So I decided that next year for my 50th birthday, I would cycle across. I would do the Camino by bicycle. And um, why did I choose bicycle? Because I felt, well, I can't really be away for more than three weeks because I have an eight-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 15-year-old at home. A daughter in university, but she was out of town. But, so I was leaving my husband with three young kids, basically. And um, by day three of that cycling trip in 1999, I knew I had to come back. Okay. And my first opportunity to come back was a notice from the American uh, Pilgrims on the Camino from their group saying there was going to be a hospitalero training in Toronto. That would be 2005. And of course, this was my, I can get back, I can get back. Why do we have that feeling? I think some people walk the Camino or cycle the Camino and they check it off their list. Yes. And they go to Machu Picchu or they go to um, Shikoku. You know, they do something else. For others, it's, I have to get back. I have to get back. I have to get back. Hey, you, you what, what, did, what did people think when you said you were going to go off halfway around the world on your own on a bike? Did they think you were crazy? Um, my 15-year-old at that point uh, was giving me you know, lectures, well, don't use any earphones when, always wear your helmet and remember to use your light at night and you know, this kind of, all the things that I had been telling him for years. Um, I, and yeah, some people thought I was crazy, but one friend, well, just in a conversation, uh, I said, oh, guess what I'm going to be doing in May? And uh, uh, she said, what? And I said, I'm going to cycle across Spain. And there was this long, long pause. Just, and I said, do you want to come with me? <laughs> so I, she said, can I? And I said, yeah, you can because you're older than me. I said, I'm doing this for my 50th. I don't want any young chicks along the way. And I found that there are people who do this to celebrate something or to or they find themselves in a space in their life where they need something so for instance a woman in victoria walked um when did she walk 2015 for her to celebrate her 80th birthday wow that's amazing by herself carrying all her stuff never took a taxi, never had her stuff carried for her. Yeah, it is, it's absolutely amazing. You know, she's my hero. Um, 
I met people, lots of people who I've been laid off, you know, 50 year old accountant, I've been laid off. I'm walking the Camino to see, do I want to go back to accounting or do I actually want to become a chef? Because I've always wanted to become a chef. You know, two years later, my husband and I went to visit them in Melbourne and sure enough, he was a chef now. So it gives people enough time to think and it gives people enough enough chance to bounce ideas off of other people who have no vested interest in what they're doing. To have bounced those ideas, for instance, off his wife, off his friends, I think I want to be a chef, people would have gone, what, are you crazy? Don't earn money as a chef, you're a big accountant, you know, that kind of thing. So um, find a lot of that. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it definitely seems that the, the Camino is either um, people are going because something radical has changed in, in their life, or, and they're looking for answers, or they want to kind of work out what should be next in their life, and they, they need time to kind of process that, and they think the Camino will give them the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was walking up uh, from uh, the cruise to Farrell, where I was walking up a path, um, and this was the winter Camino. I like walking off season. And so, you know, I have my toque on, and I have my hood on, and uh, I'm often interested in why people walk. And I had walked on and off with this guy from uh, Portland for about a week. You know, I'd see him at meals, that kind of thing, coffee. And so finally I said, oh, so why are you walking? And he said something the way. And I, I sort of lifted up my hood and I said, sorry, I didn't hear you. And he yelled, I'm reenacting the way. Yes. And my heart just fell. And I said, you've lost your son. And he said, yes, I have. And he said, and my mother died the year before. Oh, he said, and I'm carrying their ashes. I just, <laughs> everything he said, I was going. And he was, he was uh, going to throw their ashes at Finisterre. So, but I don't know what I, after Santiago, I didn't see him, I didn't hear from him. And as with most things you, uh, on the Camino, you don't get last names, you don't get emails, that kind of thing. They aren't important. That kind of social networking is really not important. So um, for a lot of people, their first kind of uh, knowledge of the Camino was watching the, the movie The Way by Martin, with Martin Sheen. Yes. So that's what that person you met was kind of doing. Yes. Uh, you know, when the, the comedian in, in Germany wrote his book, I'm off, all of a sudden there are Germans on the Camino. And uh, when the Japanese um, chap finally wrote a guidebook in Japanese, you know, same with Korea, you get different nationalities, but the way, two years after the way was written, it was like the Americans had really discovered the Camino. It was, um, I've never seen anything like it. And I was walking in mid-April to mid-May then. Yes. And I heard the funniest comment from over the wall, you know, in an albergue right early on, maybe the third day. And this woman is talking about this, this, this isn't like the book at all. The book didn't say anything about blisters. And I just, 
you know, it, it was tough. It was, it was really funny. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so maybe to go um, to what you do, so you're, you're in the Victoria chapter, which is in the uh, British Columbia. So yes. what is the chapter and, and what role does it play in the overall organization in, in Canada? Okay. So in, in Canada, we didn't really have an overarching uh, association particularly. It was um, a group in Toronto and then if someone was interested in starting a group in some other city, they just did. So in 2002, uh, two of my friends, uh, Wendy Lawley and Marion Graham, returned from their Camino and thought, gee, I wonder if anyone wants to see our, our, uh, our pictures. And so the next year they did some PSAs with radios, public service announcements with radios, and put up some posters in libraries, and 75 people came to see their pictures. This is 2003, 2004. And uh, then they heard about me somehow in 2006 that I had served as a hospitalero in Grenon in 2005. They just heard through the grapevine, because uh, there weren't a lot of people uh, I didn't know anybody else in Victoria who had done the Camino. And so they asked me if I would do a presentation on being hospitalero. So I did. And uh, I was very interested. I liked these women. I thought, this is great what they're doing. And uh, so I just started to help them. And uh, they would run an evening thing, and for, I guess for two years. And I said, well, why don't we book something for like all day Saturday and run a couple different programs? She said, Oh, nobody's going to, Wendy said, Oh, people won't come. I said, sure they will. So 150 people came the first time. And there were three of us that made banana bread and zucchini bread. And it was all very low key. Everybody's making everything to bring in. So, um, and the chapter just got bigger and bigger. And Wendy was in charge of the chapter. And at that point, sending out emails, you had to send them out in batches of 50 about any notice. So there weren't a lot of notices, not a lot of activities or a couple evening things. And then this one big, we called it spring gathering. Uh, we also had a November welcome back. Uh, that was the chapter and it was in my house. And so the first time we welcomed back 30 pilgrims in November that had been there you know, been on the Camino that year, and the second year, 45, the third year, 55. And then we decided we'd rent a hall because <laughs> we were up to 80 to 90 people. Every November, we would welcome them back and having a potluck of tapas and, uh, and lots of wine. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I know um, it's very difficult to get people interested in holiday photographs, so... Would people yeah. get involved in this because they were members of the same community or they just like to swap stories or how did it kind of, well, why did because, it flourish? Uh, the word was traveling. It, 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 you know, the, you throw the pebble as this young man in Kelowna did. He threw the pebble into the pond. I rippled out in Victoria, Wendy and Marion rippled out in Victoria. And, uh, you know, people, and we, I guess, uh, People would say, well, what did you do? And you talk about how you walked the Camino because ever since my cycling ride, every time I've gone back, I've walked different routes and, and they, oh, tell me about it. 
And so you start to tell them and their eyes glaze over. <laughs> so this is what we provide that welcome back for in November. We, we say, please come because we want to listen to your stories. Yes. And so the same thing with our spring gathering is, I would say of the 250 people that we have attend the all day spring gathering, which was to be today. And of course it's been canceled. But at uh, nine o'clock in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon, several speakers, usually an international speaker or you know someone we fly in from um, somewhere in Canada. Uh, we had um, anyway, I can list off. We try and get authors. So we had John Briarley two years ago. It was lovely that he arrived and it. Gave, he gave a wonderful presentation for about an hour and didn't mention his guidebook once. He talked about the Camino as a family. It was fabulous. Yeah. So we always have someone nice like that who will give a, um, an opening remarks of about an hour. And then we have three or four or five people who have 45 minute presentations on different routes and we have breakout sessions and how to prepare for the Camino and the latest gear on the Camino from the local store and all that kind of stuff. So this is what we run. Well, I was the helper on this for years. I was the helper. Um, I would organize the food. I'd organize a couple speakers and Wendy Lolly would be in charge. I was the helper. And then someone, the person who was running the Canadian organization wanted to step down. Wendy seemed like the obvious person to take it over because a lot of changes had to be made. Uh, we needed a constitution. We were getting bigger. The whole Canadian system was getting bigger. We then had 12 to 15 chapters across Canada. We needed to have some sort of cohesion, some sort of bigger tent. So I, I said, I think you should do that, Wendy. You should take that over. You're the only one who has their hand up right now. You should go and do it. You can do a great job. And she turned to me and she said, I will only do that if you take over the Victoria chapter. That's why I'm chapter coordinator. <laughs> I, there was no election. <laughs> so I've been doing this for about five or six years now. Okay. Yeah. And then, so obviously there's activities in, in your local community and support and kind of uh, training, kind of help. Do, the, do your chapters have any connection with other countries or with um, Spain or kind of people on the Camino in Spain? Do you? Um, we ha I have a personal connection, a woman that I met years ago. Um, she again had, I guess, found me on Google as a name, Hospitalero Camino kind of thing. And she was over for an education um, conference, uh, Lanzada. Um, Alvarez and she just looked me up and could I meet her in Vancouver so I took the ferry over and met her for an hour in Vancouver and uh, the next day actually two days later I think she had a free day so I said well fly to Victoria I'll show you around so we've become friends um, I always stay at their albergue their home when I'm in Santiago they're now in A Coruña so we keep in touch with them she has also gone and involved with the organization in Galicia, the Yacabeo, and uh, provides, she and her husband provide translation services for us or just help 
I don't mean formal translation services, but if we're trying to fill out a grant application or that kind of thing, and she's on the ground in Spain. Um, so that kind of connection. And I think there are other uh, chapters in Canada with their own connection. I know that Tom Friesen, who you spoke with, uh, has a connection with um, the priest in Monasterio and that their chapter supports Monasterio. So we all have kind of favorite chapters, favorite things that we run. I, I usually, any money that we have, because of course our gathering day, even though it's a very cheap and cheerful day to attend, uh, $25 for the whole day includes coffee, snack, and lunch, plus all the materials you're going to get. But we still manage to have money over and above that, yes. which we like to, we like to support albergues in Spain. So I go to Rebecca Scott's. Um, uh, do you know her? Have you heard of Rebecca Scott in Moratina? I've, I've heard the name. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the Peaceable Kingdom. She runs a, a charity there. Um, so you can put the money into her charity and she will uh, give it directly to a cause. Um, so we've, um, we've provided a kitchen renovation in one albergue on the Santa Brez route. On the Camino del Norte, we actually repaired the chimney and uh, a new heating system and a, and a stove yes. last year. So this is a couple of thousand dollars that we send over each year to one thing or another. And we also regularly, our chapter regularly supports a week in Moraz and Rabanel. So, and this is the kind of thing we also like to tell our membership. We have about 600 people on our mailing list for Victoria. Yes. And uh, so we let them know what we're doing and so when they're walking their Camino, they can stop in these albergues and say hi and leave some Canadian pins or something else. And there's, there's a connection there, so, which is great. Yeah, very good. So the people that are in your chapter, what sort of age range are they? What sort of um, background? Is it up? Well, it's interesting. They're all old, of course. <laughs> <laughs> No, I would say I would say most of the people would be fifty plus in age. You don't get and some um, are younger because they've gotten involved with their parents at some point, so they show up. Um, we're always looking for younger people uh, to be involved. Uh, backgrounds, such a variety of backgrounds. Um, person I work closely with, Jim Rondo, he calls himself a recovering politician. Um, for uh, the, He was a member uh, of the legislature at the uh, province of Manitoba for years. Uh, we have doctors, lawyers, plumbers. It's just exactly like the Camino where you can be walking one day with the president of General Motors and the next day you're walking with a plumber and you have no idea who you're walking with and it doesn't really matter. Half the time you don't even know their first name. You might get their first name by the end of the day of walking. Yes. But it's exactly the same as a whole cross-section of people, ages, 
I think that's the magic of the Camino. I think it's the only, the only pilgrimage, the only route where people walk in the same direction for totally different reasons. Yes. And, uh, and I guess for people that haven't done the Camino, it, what's special, I, I think, is the fact that you tend to meet these people throughout the day and then the next day as well. So you kind of, you reconnect um, over multiple days or multiple weeks at different destinations. So it's, it's really is a sociable kind of, um, kind of a community really. Yeah, it is. And I know, you know, 21 years ago uh, on the Camino, uh, it was multilingual. Um, you had to, you had to be able to speak some Spanish. Mm -hmm. Or, or try. Uh, I, I didn't speak hardly any Spanish at the time, and I used to end up with some very interesting things on my dinner plate. <laughs> <laughs> but now, um, English basically is the language of the Camino, and it, so it's quite different. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's changed a lot. Uh, changed for the better, or just changed differently? It's changed differently. Um, I, I think I, I find in the off season, by off season, I'm talking November, December, January, February, March, it's quite different in that the townspeople are very welcoming. They're happy to see you. You may be the only one in the bar having breakfast that morning. Um, very welcoming. But I find there are more in, in season, May through to September, there are more uh, Turo Greenos, more tourists, and they, as they say, the pilgrim uh, accepts, the tourist expects. And, um, you know, a pilgrim is usually happy with whatever they can get. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a, a pilgrim who is um, a devout Catholic. It is, a, it is a Catholic pilgrimage, but I'm not Catholic. Um, yet, I feel I have the pilgrim spirit, especially when I am walking the Camino. And I'm happy for anything that happens to me that day. If the sun is shining, I'm happy that day. Yes. Um, you know, if it's raining and I'm going west and I'm thinking, well, it's pretty good it's raining because otherwise the sun would be in my eyes. I'm happy for anything. <laughs> so um, people that, that are in your chapter and other chapters as well, is there a kind of a rivalry amongst kind of people who do the Camino, as in how many routes they've done, how often, how long, how they've traveled the Camino? Uh, I don't know if it's a rivalry. It's more of pride and admiration for those. Uh, we have... We have a couple of people in Victoria who have walked 14, 15 times, various routes. Yes. And they are my go-to for, okay, I have someone walking the Earl's route. Can you call them or can you email them? So I have a, I know a lot of the people now and what routes they've walked. So they're great. They love being resourced. People who have walked the Camino, they want to talk about it. Yes. I mean, look at me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but we have, um, what I've liked in the past couple of years is some of the people who have joined the Victoria chapter right after walking have been, have very enthusiastically offered to do things. I would like to 
organize um, a monthly walk. I would like to, why don't we have coffee in the morning? Let, I'll find a place where people can have coffee once a month and talk. And it's great because I just send out the emails. Unfortunately, it's just MailChimp now, so it's easy. Yes. Uh, saying this is when we're having coffee, first Thursday of the month, you know, show up at the rec center and uh, nobody needs to respond, nobody needs to do anything. And usually we get about 30 people showing up. You know, some people bring guidebooks to pass around. Some people are quite, this is the first time they've kind of heard about it. They're thinking of planning and what yes. route should they walk. There's a lot of questions and there are a lot of answers. Yes, indeed. So for, in one respect, it, it's kind of um, a walking club, but it's so much different than a walking club, so. Exactly. Exactly. When we do our walking, uh, on our monthly walks, we get anywhere from 20 to 40 people and we welcome them at the beginning of the walk. It's always a 10K at least walk, sometimes 15, but usually about 10K. And we say, you know, this is, this is like a high school dance. You know, the girls on one side, the boys on the other. Well, here we've got the experienced pilgrims and the ones who want to go. So put up your hand if you've walked the Camino Portuguese, for instance. Okay, those of you who are going to Portuguese, look over there, find your dance partner. Okay, and we kind of go through so that people can walk with someone who has walked the route that they're planning to walk. And, you know, basically it's a walk and talk um, as opposed to trying to walk 10 kilometers or as fast or as hard as you can. Uh, I mean, there's the whole training aspect in it, but talking about boots and you're looking down and saying, are you really going to walk in those? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So is it um, physically challenging to, to do the Camino or any of the Caminos? Uh, some are more physically challenging than others. I found the Camino del Norte was the toughest one that I'd walked, but that was also, that was 2007 and there weren't a lot of facilities on the way. Yes. I mean, it was one morning where it was 15 kilometers before any food. And I was walking with a Belgian couple. And I think at the 10 kilometer mark, we stopped talking to each other just because whatever would come out of our mouth would be not nice. We were just so, the blood sugar was so low. Yes. But, and the, the, the one bar that we did find opened on a beach, had no idea what it had. We'll take the olives. Yes, I'd like an ice cream, a beer. Okay, we'll have a coffee. Well, you know, whatever we can see in that place, we'll have some of that, some of that, some of that. <laughs> and it was a very bizarre kind of brunch that we had. Yes, yes, yes. But um, I think anybody can walk the Camino as long as they don't expect to walk at the same pace as someone who's been training for two years to walk the Camino. You can't walk. You can't get up from your desk and walk out your front door and walk the Camino. You have to break in your boots and break in your pack. A lot of people don't understand the pack part, that you have to have walked with a pack on your back, not with a bunch of books or cans of soup in it for the weight, but with the stuff you're gonna take. You have to walk with that pack because you have to figure out, A, is this gonna to be too heavy for me? And the other thing people don't realize is you walk differently with a pack on your back than you do without one on your back. Your whole posture is different. Yes. So you have to get used to that. Um, but I think uh, I walked 
in the winter time from I started in Cadiz a year ago in January yeah mid January and it was uh, well I didn't see anybody for six days like nobody yes nobody and I would walk into a town and have to I'd see a number on a uh, hostel call up the person I would be the only one in that hostel um, the sun was shining cold in the morning but it was lovely lovely walking weather but nobody which was i'm i'm used to walking by myself during the day but usually you stop and there's someone who's having coffee or there's people at dinner so i found i really did find that six days a bit hard but after after sevilla i met one other person <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like that—that that is one of the joys of walking with walking the Camino. You, you'll arrive in a small village or a small town, and you'll always—you'll never eat alone if you don't want to, because you, you'll exactly. always find the, the yeah. pilgrims that you've met along the way. They're very yeah. hospitable, and yeah, yeah. And I've, there are women who who, you know, they they get the bug and they decide they're going to walk the Camino. And I'm often asked, "Well, I'm, I'm planning on walking the Camino. I'm planning on walking alone, and my husband's very worried." or my family's very worried, will I be safe? And I said, well, first you'll be alone for about a minute and a half <laughs> because when you start in either St. Jean-Pierre-de-Port or Roncesvalles or Pamplona or Burgos, any of the kind of key starting points, um, you're not alone. As soon as you check in, there's somebody in the bunk above you and the bunk beside you, you're not alone. And I think that's most of the year, you won't find even walking in the wintertime, I found there were people on the Camino, so. Yes, yes. So do you have any um, funny memories or funny stories? Like what, what, what do you kind of tell people that, that makes them laugh or makes you laugh? Hmm, now that's a good one. Uh, oh, I'll tell you a really funny story. When I was at Hospitalero, um, the, I was working in Grenon. This is 2005, and there was always wine on the table. At, uh, the idea was everyone's glass, water glass, would be filled with water, and there would be the salad course, and then the dinner course would come out and a bottle of wine, you know, spaced every few people. Yeah. And there, one chap grabbed the wine, and there were probably 40 people at the table. One chap grabbed the wine, and, you know, pulled the cork off because we used to make sure there was a cork in and um, he poured himself, you know, a little soupçon and did the, and the, and the all this, this whole routine and oh yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then he, he pointed to his friend who, can you pass me that bottle? You know, it's got a different label on it. So read the label and poured the same, went through the same routine. He said, oh yeah, this one is. Oh yeah, I like this one much better. It's got that certain, it goes into this convoluted description of what this wine was. And I just, it was all I could do to not like belly laugh. Because earlier that afternoon, the priest and I had taken the carboy of his cousin's wine and funneled it into the bottles. <laughs> all the bottles were the same. 
<laughs> so that one really, I just thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, but there are, you know, there's humor every day, that's for sure. Um, people basically who laugh at themselves, you know, and why did I bring so much stuff? And, you know, a woman who pulls a hairdryer out of her pack goes, what was I thinking? You know, boom. Um, I think the best example of, of carrying too much you get at, in Roncesvalles, uh, they've got two or three huge tables in the hall. And basically it's just full of new gear that people have carried from Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port over the mountain. And there's, um, you know, beautiful socks because they didn't need six pairs of socks. Socks, gloves, hats, uh, you know, an extra this, an extra that. People just bring too much stuff. And that's certainly the test, is climbing a pack on your back over that hill, especially if you are not used to climbing hills. So your, 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 your tip for new community walkers is to stock up in one of the spires on any of the equipment that you might <laughs> yeah. need. Yeah, take an empty pack. You can get it all free. <laughs> no, but I, I was always just blown away by all this stuff, thinking, aren't people going to need this? But they don't. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. yeah. So um, 2021 is a holy year on the Camino. Yes. If um, there is, if there is a 2021 for the Camino. We all hope so. Um, we all hope so. Yes. Maybe if you could just kind of briefly um, explain why you think the holy year is important. To Spain or to Catholics? I suppose to Spain and and the. the Part of well, Spain, the, the runs through. Well, the, the, the holy year, for those who don't know, a holy year is when uh, Santiago's birthday, um, July 25th, falls on a Sunday. That makes it a holy year. And I, we haven't had a holy year since 2000, and I'm going to get it wrong. I think the last one was 2010. It's been a while. Yes. Uh, and uh, if you walk the Camino, in any year, in any year, and you have taken communion along the way. So this is for Catholic people, if you're walking, Roman Catholic people. If you, when you get to Santiago and you take communion and you walk the whole Camino, you are forgiven of your sins. However, in a holy year, if you do the same thing, you're forgiven of all future sins apparently so <laughs> you know um but it's also uh, they do more celebrations uh in santiago for a holy year you you are walked the pilgrims are allowed through a different door of the of the cathedral in the holy year um the feeling that 2021 is going to be chaos um is I think valid. Um, I'm not quite sure what it's going to be like if the Camino is open in 2021. Will people be more hesitant about travel? Um, I think this whole COVID-19 has brought us up short yes. with, with realizing we travel too much. You know, trying to get people back, we realize we've been traveling too much. Um, I get on a plane now, it's like getting on a bus. 
Yes. And that it's really kind of slowed me down a bit in my thinking. Uh, so I, I know that Spain was preparing for 2021 last year in terms of will they have enough hospitaleros? Will they have enough volunteers? I mean, hospitaleros are also volunteers, but would they have enough? And would they have enough people who spoke English and Spanish, who spoke German and Spanish, who spoke French and Spanish? So to be able to ease the load on the Spanish people. Um, my first year in 1999 was a holy year and it was a huge shock for the Spanish that that many people came. In 1998, 54,000 people walked. And in 1999, I believe it was like 140,000, which is nothing in today's figures. Yes. But for instance, in Osobrero, um, the Galician government had put up huge tents where the albergue was to for the overrun. Uh, I'm mm, trying to remember the town outside of Burgos. The, the name escapes me right now, but I we stopped at uh, the albergue and the woman said, I'm sorry, we're full, but don't worry. We can find a bed for you because the townsfolks were opening up their home. So mm -hmm. I don't know whether that's going to happen next year or not. Will people be opening up their homes like they've done in other holy years? So it's, a, it's a, obviously a way for people to, to, for the villagers to earn a little more money. It's yeah. a lot of work. Um, but so I, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen next year. I think we've all got our fingers crossed that Spain, recovers first that's yeah. being recovers that's the first we hope so yeah and then we go from there yeah so how are you going to spend your time and, and your chapter this year if with all the, the kind of the, the current situation the pandemic and lockdowns well i i sent out uh, an email just last night uh, again reminding people that our big day today was cancelled and uh encouraging them to go out and walk. That's the whole thing, you go out and walk. And that a few of us had decided we're gonna walk the Camino. So we're gonna keep track from today on of how many kilometers we walk and we'll be in touch just the same way that you and I are through yes. Zoom. Um, and we'll be in touch saying, okay, I'm, I'm at Logroño now, or I'm okay. at Burgos, or I've uh, just, just pulled into Hontanas, you know, and so I've poured myself a glass of water. <laughs> that kind of thing. Okay, we're going to try and make it fun and keep track. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're walking the Camino Frances as opposed to Santa Brez or uh, Ruta de la Plata or Norte or any of the other routes. We're, we'll stick to that route because the names trip off our tongue now. Yes. That's a really, um, that's a really interesting way to kind of to do it. I think it, that's really nice. Yeah. Well, our public health official um, has said walking is good. Uh, certainly in Victoria, where we are, people are very kind. We're, we're also, we also, on a lot, of our, a lot of our streets, we have the sidewalk in front of our homes and then a boulevard, a grass boulevard. So we can keep that uh, two meters distance between one person and another. Um, and, you know, 
normal pedestrians like me give way for mothers with buggies kind of thing. We'll walk on the street so that they can go by. It's easier for us. So um, yeah, so we're encouraging people to walk. Uh, they have to decide where they're going to start in Spain. Uh, if they're going to start at uh, St. Jean-Pierre-de-Port, there's only one hill, one really, really good hill in Victoria. So I said, got to climb up and down Mount Doug a few times. <laughs> um, but because uh, other, other than that, the Camino's flat, right? Mostly. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that's, that's what we hope to do. Keep, keep walking, um, because otherwise there are going to be a lot of chocolate-addicted fat alcoholics at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I hope you have some nice uh, Spanish wine put, put aside. And... I think there are a couple bottles in the basement, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got some Spanish cava that I'll bring out when I reach Santiago. Very good, very good. But, okay. uh, but we're not walking 25 kilometers a day, I don't think. It'll be closer to 15, so. Very good. Listen, Mary, I really appreciate you taking your time to kind of um, to talk to me and talk to, uh, I suppose, our audience. Um, it's been very informative. Good. Well, it's been a pleasure. You, yeah, indeed, and hopefully we'll, we can talk again at some point in the future. Terrific. I look forward to it. Okay, well, thank you, and uh, buen camino. Buen camino.